0: southern rock podcast a southern storm a bold liberating rock shot through with blues soul and gospel and now your hosts for the show brian jones and jason johannes
1: welcome back to this week's episode of the all things blues and southern rock podcast thank you everybody for the downloads and participating on the facebook page certainly enjoy uh, all the music you're sharing and, and uh, making us aware of other bands out there and in shows and everything and as always with me today is jason what's up man
2: hey brian how you doing man i'm good i'm uh enjoying this early spring weather that we're having and it's like touching 80 today
1: wow nice yeah good for you Hot. i won't comment <laughs> it's overcast it's gray and it's a little drizzly but you can go outside and not drop over dead
2: That's good, you know, that's a step forward for North Dakota.
1: Right, yeah. And uh, so, what's uh, going on musically? What uh, have you been checking out? What have you came across? New? um, New. So, there is a
2: band. um, Gosh, hold on. That contacted us, and I started listening to them, and I kind of dig them, and... I will tell you the name of them here real fast. Um, well, maybe I won't. I thought I was. Um, crap. Well, now I just lost it. I was trying to check these guys out. They sounded pretty good. I'll, I'll save that for the next podcast. But band I hadn't heard of, uh, they gave us a nice compliment on Instagram for our Gorman interview. And then I started looking at their music and uh, they look like a cool rock band. So I just need to listen to more of their stuff right now. Um, other than that man i've been listening to i'm not afraid to admit it cinderella today i was trying to get some work done
1: night songs
2: not actually just a just a rotation of all the four albums just you know on random
1: right i came across this beyond the vibe podcast i want to listen to it but a band from the uk called gorilla riot who's very much down our alley musically speaking And i posted it and uh thinking we're going to have to get a hold of those guys at some point. I like the name. Across the pond, right?
2: Well, the band that contacted us I've been paying attention to or trying to is the Babylon Shakes, a Virginia-based original blues, rock, and soul band. So maybe our, our friends in, uh, in uh, Southern Governor knows them.
1: Yeah, I think I've heard that name before, so I'll have to check it out.
2: They, I mean, they look right up our alley. They've got definitely that Southern Rock, Soul, kind of hippie looking style and I listened to one of their songs they posted on Instagram it sounds pretty good and they're Crows fans so okay. that's mm-hmm. always a good thing but the Babylon shakes
1: where did they they just uh they they've been listening to our podcast or
2: well they, they made a comment on the, the the um the Gorman one because they are Crows fans so okay. and that's how I how they got the then you know my notice they didn't ask to come on yet but I figured right. we'd check them out they would definitely sure. probably be a good one
1: yeah. Also, Jane Lee Hooker's uh, in the studio, Mercy Sound Recording Studios, New York City.
2: Yes, they are. And I'm actually wearing my Jane Lee Hooker shirt yes, today, as are. a matter of fact.
1: Yes, you are indeed. Um, we got to like get, put some heat on Andrew and the boys from them, Dirty Roses, because I know they cut new music on Muscle Shoals. We're all waiting for that to come out. They, they have a whole new album coming out, or just songs? Well, I guess that I'm not absolutely sure of.
2: I may see him this weekend. So they're in the Columbus area Friday, and so on Friday they're Wapakoneta, which is about an hour outside Columbus, it's about 40 minutes for me. And then Saturday they're downtown Columbus, at the Woodlands Tavern, and that's sold out. But of course, with COVID, you have to buy like a table in a certain area, so it's not right. cram as many people. So. Um, I'm going to see when Friday night I may go. The drummer from my band is actually from Wapakoneta, Ohio, and we may go. Okay. We may go,
1: but I'm getting my second shot on Friday. So
2: keep my fingers crossed. Um, I'll feel well.
1: Yeah, they're playing uh, like uh, east of Minneapolis. And uh, I think it's in early May, so I'm considering that as well. Some little- I, I just may
2: hit up Andrew too and see what they're doing for lunch on Saturday or something and run down those guys want to grab a beer and, and say right. hi I may just do that too so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit them up here on uh, on messenger here soon right
1: on. So we've been talking about like the different, uh, you know, we're coming across little pockets of music scenes everywhere, I shouldn't say coming across we've known for a while. But it's so interesting to talk about, you know, and there's like always the obvious ones, you know, Nashville and all that. But you know, I've talked a lot about being so surprised that a lot of good music is coming from, you know, the South Central Kentucky area and Edmonton and and small towns like that, Glasgow, Kentucky, um,
2: Bowling Green, Kentucky,
1: right? Yeah, um,
2: which are close to each other,
1: right? You know, and then down in in uh, Columbia, Missouri or columbus columbia missouri columbia missouri yeah um so there's you know driving wheel there's the Comancheros. there's don't mind dying there's a lot of good bands down there you know i've come across more than a couple bands from little rock arkansas so it's just really really cool to to see these you know
2: some stuff um, in montana right it was a montana or wyoming
1: Uh, yeah, there's, I think there's a little bit of the thing, uh, you know, kind of going on in Bozeman, Montana, you know, a little bit. That's getting out your way. Yeah. More so than me. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of your way, you know, I've, I've said this before, you know, spending a lot of years, just like randomly going on Craigslist and, you know, like just checking out like the musician section just just to see like what's going on and what kind Mm -hmm. of post people are putting up what kind of bands and you know Cincinnati certainly seems to have a lot going on but I don't know why but more surprising for me has been where you're from is Dayton Ohio
2: right
1: yeah yeah I don't you know it it's
2: very interesting for sure um I don't you know I think what you're going to hear on this podcast is our guests are from Dayton talk a little bit about their perception of the scene and stuff like that. I think it's just I, the the origins of the movements and why they're there makes sense in terms of moving geographies of people. I think the reason why really Dayton loves indie music so much may not be for the reasons that here, though. they probably play a lot of it. I think that Dayton just is is such a crossroads of the Midwest. It's, it's the guests allude to it's seventy five and seventy cross which are major north and south east west highways that run you know the length of the united states um it's just a lot of destination people come through and then it's just built up this this uh I don't know uniqueness where you've got all these different genres yeah funk really kind of we can argue started a date and it's kind of had a big indie music scene with guided by voices and the breeders uh my buddy who played with um hawthorne heights you know was a more recent success story and stuff out of there blues scene that comes up from cincinnati and just the desire to have major um, destination places downtown have independent music come play versus just generic cover bands I would
1: say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Chad really went into more detail about the history of, you know, just, you know, the town itself and, you know, how it kind of came together and how people moved from different areas mm-hmm. to there. Well,
2: there was there a lot was of industry, a couple GM plants, um, you know, some air that, you know, the bottle top, the bottle top was invented in Dayton, Ohio as well, too. So there was a lot of just Wright-Patterson Air Force base, which I think is the third largest air force base in in the united states is there and there's a lot of things that bring
1: people um, into the area Mm -hmm. and you know this was just a great interview to to have the whole band there and chad is such a smart guy it just oh man wowed, wowed me with with just his knowledge of music and everything and just you know obviously another really super nice guy to talk to and so Without further ado, let's get right into our interview with Cricket Bones.
3: I speak electric time.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. And this is the guest segment of the podcast. And as always, I give this over to Jason to tell all the listeners who we have with us this week on this episode.
2: Thank you, Brian. Um, I'm excited to have on this crew who I've come across um, in my music scene with my band from an area um, of Dayton, Ohio, which is really cool to have some fellow fellow rockers from that area i know we had scotty bratcher on but these guys this band a lot more in the same kind of uh orbit of so really pleased to have on the cool freaking rockers from dayton ohio cricket pose. how's mm-hmm. everybody doing Yeah, great. great and we have the whole band we have chad we have chris we have erica we have kyle even though he goes by laura on my screen it's kyle michael <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the biggest group, Brian, that we've had yeah, in one time. Is it for sure? Yeah. Where's it? Where's our trophy? <laughs> you know what, when we get back to playing live and I see you guys, uh, there will be some sort of trophy. or <laughs> We need a trophy. <laughs> Jason
1: you know, we've had buy, like. Jason buy the first round of drinks. I'll buy the first round
2: of drinks for you guys. As long as we go to the Oregon express and, um, our friends are working there and they can't couple the things <laughs> for us.
4: <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that.
2: But I'll be more than happy, especially if Gretchen is working. She'll take care of all of us.
3: Yeah.
2: All sure. right. So let's hop into this. You guys, um, we'll get in a little bit of your history here, you know, with the band. You guys have been around, looks like since 2012, but some of the members have changed. Chad, I think you're the founder of the band. So would you talk a little bit about the origins and kind of who's in the band now?
5: Yeah, well, we um, the the sort of uh, birth of the band was uh, I had left uh, a previous band I was in, the Jackalopes, and uh, was was having kids and doing all of that kind of stuff and fo- focusing on stuff outside of music a little bit for a short while. Uh, but I can't ever keep myself from creating and writing, so I started doing all these four track demos and and computer recordings that ended up being about three full length albums worth of material that I put out under the cricket bows name, uh, just sort of as a solo thing. Um, and then, uh, I, I, I kept getting good reviews and, and people liked it and it encouraged me to want to play it live in front of people. So, um, by, by many, many good fortunes and happenstances, I ended up with these people that are now in the band uh, and, uh, Mike, uh, Bissig was the first one of the group to join. Uh, he was a long time client of mine, local, uh, music teacher and entrepreneur himself. Um, and, uh, I, I, just kept badgering him and asking him sort of questions about like, would you play if I did a thing? And you know, of course he was into it. So, um, and,
2: and Mike's lead
5: guitar, Mike is lead guitar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, part of the, the idea for putting together a live band, I was super obsessed with stuff like bigger bands at that time. Like, I really had the idea of like a nine piece band. I was watching like Mad Dogs and Englishmen like every day. Uh, and there's just, you know, two drummers and a horn section <laughs> and whatever. Uh, and we didn't go quite that far. But everybody that I picked, I sort of picked based on the idea um, that they, they kind of played other instruments, too. So Mike is like actually- the band, even like the band. Oh, yeah, exactly. Mike is a sax player sort of by by uh, education and trade prior to picking up the guitar is like a fun thing for Mike. Uh, So Mike plays just about everything that you can play. Um, Same thing with Erica. She plays a bunch of different instruments. Uh, Chris Korn, local legendary bass player, but also uh, sort of known to sit down and and play some really uh, pretty piano stuff from time to time. He's the John Paul Jones. He is the JPJ of the gang. Absolutely. And Kyle is our bottom uh, laying down the, uh, the beats in that, but Kyle can also pick up a mandolin or a guitar or whatever else is laying around nice. and, and play well enough uh, for, for what I had uh, in mind. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we were coming from a place of uh, not wanting to have too many rules. Um, you know, Dayton music scene is pretty open, but you know, we all kind of come from a time, or at least I do, uh where it was kind of ghettoized you were a punk band or you were a this band or that band and you kind of didn't cross over too much except for a couple of magical places like canal street tavern uh that make my r.i.p for many many years and so taking the spirit of that canal street tavern idea in, into the form of a band we really just wanted to do something that was accessible to anybody and everybody there might be a punk rock vibe in a song or a country vibe in a song or a you know whatever and uh, I I was very very lucky to end up with the right group of people to do it for for us Uh, we had uh, we did have a few kind of lineup changes but it was really by the time we hit a stage and started playing live we had another drummer for a short while uh, Jim Ingram who played on the Diamonds album Uh, and uh, beyond that Kyle's been been our guy ever since so uh, but yeah that's that's sort of the nutshell of of the the genesis of the thing it, it really started around 2010, 2011 and then um I can't remember when when we actually started playing live though at all do you do any of you guys remember year
0: that we
5: i think it was eleven I don't remember no?
0: what day of the week it is so <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> I think it was i
5: think i think it was two thousand twelve or thirteen something like that we actually started playing live
2: that's okay right yeah you guys are about nine years going that's that's good so first chad you kind of dave growled it you threw fighter date you did the whole first album or a bunch of songs playing all the instruments yourself said this sounds great we got to get a band we got to put a band together and and you've ended up with this crew we got here absolutely very good so mike you were first aboard the uh cricket uh train so all right, uh, tell us tell us a little bit how you got in and, and what you're doing in the
0: band uh, well, you know, Chad is a, a an awesome guy and, and to be honest with you, you know, spending hours getting tattooed by him all the time, you, you, you don't want to get tattooed by somebody who's listening to music that you hate. So we, we, we tend to, you know, <laughs> listen to music that we're, we're together, uh, at least, you know, kind of like-minded and, and, um, it's great to have, you know, musical conversations with somebody. So I, I, I think that it was, uh, you know, pretty inevitable that, that I would play in something that, that chad had lined up i mean i think that that's you know i'm not sure that it could have happened any other way something something was going to happen i was going to make noise on something that uh chad had his hands on uh one way or another so um so pretty much i mean like like when chad was saying that when we started out we actually had like three guitar players we tried to have a keyboard player in there too just to you know you know i really trying to get that big wall of craziness you know type of sound and um it, uh, you know, so, I mean, I guess I am the lead guitar player or whatever, but, but, you know, a lot of what I do is not necessarily just thinking of it as like a lead guitar. Cause that, you know, when we first started out, it was, how do I fit in this keyboard sound or how do I fit with, you know, this other guitar player that that's in here and, and, uh, playing on everyone's strengths. So the music can sort of shine, um, on top of that. So, um, these days I, you know, I end up playing most of the, the solos or whatever, but, uh, it's, um, it sort of has uh, evolved into a really awesome thing with, um, especially with all the other band members, you know, it's, it's great to play in a band and go, everybody is awesome and brings something unique to the table and and makes, makes anything that I do sound better. So that's, that's the group of people I want to play with all the time. So what band got you guys or or music got you guys sort of agreeing to, Hey, we like the same stuff. You know, I, I, I think it's the, the eclectic mix of bands you know, so if we're, we're listening to some just creepy horror show music that, that, you know, some people might not listen to all the way to, to, I don't know, some Beatles, Chad's big on the monkeys and, you know, any, anything like that to things in between, you know, I, I mean, pick your favorite black Sabbath Zeppelin, that, that type of stuff, but all the bands that are sort of in between, you know, we, we would be doing getting the tattoos down or whatever and, and, and a, a song would come on and, and, you know, it's not necessarily something too many other people have heard and we would both have something intelligent to say about it. It was like, yeah, all right, good. You're listening to the same type of thing that I'm listening to. So I, I you know, that, that made it kind of easy to to understand what, you know, Chad was talking about when he when he came to me with Cricket Buzz Music to say, how do we how do we take what's on this album and and put it with some other people and stuff? And that, you know, that in itself was a, a little bit of a, a journey to to figure out what Chad with. You know, an unlimited number of tracks, recording an album. How do you translate that to a, a couple of guitars and and some uh, some other sounds and things like that? But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, Chad, you control the playlist, so I don't really know exactly what you played all the time. But I, I, you know, there was rarely anything. I mean, I, I remember one time we were we were doing uh, something. I think it was when we were in the the uh, Oregon District Shop or whatever. But there was like as far back as like we were listening to like the Marilyn Manson tapes. You know, like things like that, like just crazy, out there weird stuff that that you go, oh yeah, that's cool. We both know what that is. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, everybody in the band really has a super big,
5: wide, like when when you're in high school and you start a band, you start a band together because you all like the Misfits or you all like the Stones or you all like these two or three bands or one particular genre but you know i'm i'm pushing 50 and and uh i hear you brother these guys are all right behind me damn it and uh and so we've got a a, a way more sort of uh i don't know what just a, a variety of a palette and and i think there are definitely like dots that we all connect um i think you know th- you know we cover the stones we cover a monkey song uh we've played around with some zeppelin songs sad to
2: black crows which is just on your youtube good friday, good yeah, friday. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah yeah
5: and not everybody you know anything that we cover not everybody in the band loves it i know that chris isn't driving around listening to the black crows but i know kyle is
2: oh well, chris you're going to have to leave the podcast
5: but, uh, you know, we all we all have at least reference points uh, of things. And, and I think that the the idea is more of for Cricketbows is exactly what the idea for a band like the Beatles or Led Zeppelin was, which was not to sound like any other one thing. Do whatever you want or whatever song hey, you have. Bring it. Let's do it. Yeah. To take the best elements of everything that you love. So we've got, you know, um, people some people in the band come from a motown background a 50s music background sure. classic rock uh country uh kyle played in church bands and, and and bar bands with his dad and like so there's a real everybody has a real sort of encyclopedia of musical knowledge back there that we can you know when i start doing something that's referencing something like joe cocker or the grease band or elton john or whatever um chris might hear Nine Inch Nails or Tori Amos or whatever. And Erica might hear, you know, Bonnie Tyler and, you know, nice. Mike's hearing that that's an E major seventh there. And, <laughs> uh, and, then, and, and Kyle just likes to make stuff go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> As any good drummer. Right. So who was the third to join the band?
5: Um, Mike joined and then we needed... Um, a drummer there was a a friend of mine named larry that i was tattooing that came and played with us a bit um and then a buddy of mine that i kind of came up in the punk rock scene with james roush popped in on guitar local blues uh r&b keyboard legend jimmy rogers came and played with us um i had no idea that was amazing yeah i bet we jammed in the basement with jimmy and uh uh I, I honestly can't remember who all kind of came through the doors um but by the time it congealed into a live lineup um it would have been i can't remember if jim ingram or chris corn joined first but those two guys joined around chris the same is time. next on my screen so chris, chris, wants chris to was us. chris was next in the band out of all <laughs> these guys but erica was right there with him. erica we'll was, go chris erica then we'll go with kyle laura kyle laura <laughs> <laughs>
6: I, well, I, Chad had posted something on Facebook, uh, a link to either a song or if you just, I don't remember if you had just finished a record or what it was. And uh, I was like, oh, Chad, because I, he and I have known each other for what, almost 30 years? Oh,
5: yeah. Started in like 92, 93, something like that.
6: Did you chat yep. him as well? No. No, oh. we were in punk rock bands. At but the that's
5: same not a
2: prerequisite. So you had to give somebody a tattoo to be in the band. <laughs> it's
5: not. They all, except for him, are tattooed by me. But
6: uh... I <laughs> any tattoos? <laughs> at all. Always the odd man out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I Chris had, had a thing about uh, a cricket bow's thing that he had working on, and it just struck me, and I was like, I. I wonder if that's a Jane's Addiction reference from uh, three days. And I, I just sent him a message through a uh, Facebook messenger and was like, Hey, just curious. Is that a Jane's Addiction reference? And he said it was. And I thought that was really cool. We just kind of chatted back and forth. And I said, well, you know, if you ever need like somebody on base for, you know, like a, studio thing or whatever let me know and it just kind of turned into well actually i'm putting (laughs) live band and uh yeah i went over and down in the basement down in mike's old basement and uh yeah we just kind of messed around and everything fit together super super well you're rocking you're
2: you're playing bass in the band yeah okay Any, any particular brian all right Brian's a bass guy. Come on, Brian, give us a bass question.
1: Um, what's your gear? I don't know. <laughs> Do you are you stick just a four string or are you five string guy? Or?
6: I I uh, four string. Uh, I've got a Guild Pilot fretless. Nice, um, nice. fretless. Um, I've been playing fretless since I think it was ninety three. I got a I got my first Guild fretless out of the trading post i was like a well it's craigslist now but it was a newspaper thing i'm and just kind of never turned back from it and, yeah i don't know i love fretless
2: if you guys caught the meow my wife had to come down and get a cat out from underneath <laughs> me that was meow normally brian and i have dogs and the dog barks in this i don't think we've had a cat yet brian have we had a no. cat yet? So that, that well, oh, no, first.
1: no, uh, Greg. Oh, that's right, Greg
2: Greg's Martin. cat. Greg Martin from the Kentucky Headhunters, he had his cat. In Normally, though, on our end, we have dogs barking. Um, so I was quickly, right, Chris, you were talking, I had to text my wife. I'm like, please come down and get this cat. Help me.
6: It's- that's right. Now my cats are going off in the background, so... <laughs> Um, do you have any particular influences uh,
2: from playing bass or or albums? Anything that really got you into doing that? Uh,
6: well, I started playing out of boredom. Uh, a friend of mine. We used to skate in his basement. Like yeah. roller skate or skateboard? Skateboarding. How did you skate? How did you skateboard in a basement?
2: Just like just around, like just you know, on the concrete.
6: Uh, well, he had a, a ramp going up against the wall, so we would do like wall rides. Just for hours, because that's what you do when you're. Yeah, a right. <laughs> uh, but his dad played bass, so he played bass, and I've I've always been musical. Like I started playing piano when I was a kid. Uh, I took piano lessons in was fifth and sixth grade, and uh, I just sat down between doing wall rides and started messing around on the base and then he had to move to Dalton, Georgia and it was one of those like the families just got to get everything in the car that they can and got to go and uh, he left his base with me until he was coming back up so suddenly I had a base and then it just kind of kept going from there so take the, ba- the ramp, leave the base yeah <laughs>
2: Leave the gun, take the cannoli. I was trying to make a godfather. I <laughs> hope you guys got that. Is there any
1: Maybe particular not. players that influence you, Chris?
6: I, there's a, a really wide array. Okay. Um, the, the white base that I have, I try not to play it anymore because it's signed by Mike Watt, Les Claypool, and Eric Avery. Wow. Which nice. is kind of my holy trinity. And uh yeah, Jane's addiction, like that's one of the things that I connected with Chad with this and I was like, oh, you know, it'd be fun to kind of get my get my Eric Avery on. Cause when we well, when this when I first joined, I, my latex brain was going, which is a very I remember that band loud and mm-hmm. band which I was the main noise generator for. We didn't have it, was just bass drums, vocals, a little bit of keys, and I had I think like 18 different effects pedals and just made a giant amount of noise, and it was <laughs> incredibly fun. But I wanted to be a bass player again, too. Yeah, for sure. It's like all right.
5: The time that we were kind of coming from, too, Chris and I, like if you look at like those the sort of like there was the lead singer lead guitar player thing that had happened for so many years. It, it was all, it, you know, the, the flash guy or the important guy in the band was, was these high pitched guys, you know, and uh, but sort of in the alternative and punk scene, the bass really drove everything. So, um, you know, I think kind of where Chris comes from is a real specific time where you had like the, the, the people in music that were like making new inroads and doing something interesting was like everybody from you know flea to uh you know les claypool to mike watt to even even bands like rem are so driven by Mm -hmm. the bass so the they're sort of punk rock aesthetic and the alternative aesthetic that lollapalooza generation that we come from the bass really is this like i mean pearl jam sounds like just any other bar band if it weren't for that yeah. With crazy yeah, bass yeah. going on in the background and yeah. stuff. So, all of these bands that were kind of important to us really had that driving thing. So, you know, again, when we did Cricket Bows, Chris was a, a, a dream come true when he said that he would be interested in playing with us because he gets that. Prior to that, we had guys that were guitar players that were plunking around on the bass for us. and And, you know, Chris came in and kind of came from the right pedigree to get. Not just that how important McCartney type bass lines are to something, but how a bass could be the melodic instrument in right. the
2: band. So he's not just doing the low end; he's actually adding the melody lines. Yeah, and all. yeah, 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 for sure. Because you guys you know, do have a really I, I lets Mike sound. and
5: I do things like you know the the guitar player standard is somebody's playing the sort of full chords or the riff,
7: mm-hmm. and the
5: other guy's noodling. And I, I, there are songs that we play where I'm just bending a single note the entire time with some delay and mike's doing little you know triplets and runs and things and the the bass is sort of holding the whole thing together so it's uh it's kind of an it's it's it wasn't i didn't set out to have a great bass player in my band but i'm, I'm very happy that i do
2: <laughs> well, heck yeah and especially when they can play a fretless bass that's not that's not as easy
5: Yeah. And then it's it's, what's awesome. Yeah. And he plays with a bow like Jimmy Page. You got to have a Jimmy Page in the band. But who wants to see that's got to crush your bow, though? You know, strings.
7: (laughs) Yeah.
6: I don't know. (laughs) It helps when you don't really know what you're doing and just like making noise. That's my approach to playing guitar. I've done three albums
2: with my band the same way. So it, you know, it works for some people. For sure. All right, Erica, you're up. Tell us a little bit about how you got in the band and what do you do in the band and kind of where you're coming from.
4: Um, well, I got the call. Basically, Chad reached out and said, hey, your good friend, Mike Bissick, is in my band. And So uh, Mike's the glue said,
2: that holds everything together, you. it sounds like.
4: I'd say, <laughs> yeah. And so we, uh, I, when Chad asks you to be in a band, you don't say no. That should be on a shirt. And then, um, so that was pretty much it. I went in and fairly nervous to, to handle some songs that were already written who, you know, it already sounded really good. And I had to go from there and add a female perspective and voice. And it had its own set of challenges trying to just find my place and my footing there. And those are some large shoes to, you know, put your lady foot in there. So it took some time to develop the right speed, but I think it came along pretty well, and here we are.
2: Were you in bands before, or were you doing stuff on your own?
4: Um, Mike and I tooled around. We did some musical things together. We did a few like tchotchke cover bands for the bar cash, and mm-hmm.
7: um, I'll just, play anything for Don.
4: And you know, <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know uh, just growing up i was a kid from kettering so i went to fairmont and was in choir and band and did the marching band bit so you know actually that's how the flute came about was as we were all doing things it it was brought to the attention to chad that i played the flute he was like why don't you play that every day what are you talking about and so we started trying to integrate some of those um you know, high school talents that I possessed into play. And I thought that, you know, that's something very unique that as I don't know if anybody else can relate, but someone who is in marching band and involved in these school functions with music, Mike will know. Flutes are always kind of dogged as being the prissy instrument. You're, you can't be in jazz band. You can't be in drum corps. You can't do all these things. I watched and,
2: Anchorman. You can be in jazz by playing the flute. Ron that's Burgundy what proved I'm that.
4: And you know what? I'm ready to take that to the next level. You got to get that big slug out, of bourbon
2: and you light it on fire and just play well, it.
4: Well, if we can figure out how to get this bad boy to shoot flames, I'm on board. Okay, <laughs> I'm not afraid to take a second degree for the cool. Okay, for real. So it's kind of nice to to do to take that instrument out of context and you know sure. put it in a rock and roll scene which isn't common I mean I guess you have the one band that you know as a rock band that has a flute in it
2: Death but it's, all.
4: that's it let's, let's do all. this
5: right that's that's all <laughs> I know yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was yep. and what, what's really interesting was i i grew up listening to jethro tall i really like jethro tall but when the flute came up in the band erica was like i'm not playing any stupid jethro tall stuff <laughs> so, they did by West... that? <laughs> go ahead
2: <You> said <laughs> i the same...
4: i don't like jethro tall
2: <laughs> well they did said... win a heavy metal grammy and beat metallica years ago so just they got, they've got some crap. i
4: mean it's Kind of like a, I'll put him in a place of appreciation, but not for me.
5: Yeah.
4: How about
5: Tony? Tony Iomi was in Jethro Tull. Come on.
4: Uh, I mean, that's enough pedigree. You have my full. You guys did the thing. I'm glad. You know. (laughs) When Jethro
5: Tull won that Grammy, I quit watching
2: the Grammys. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm out. (laughs) I'm done. I don't think I've watched it since, to be
6: honest with you. Maybe clips here and there, but never live. Minstrel in the Gallery is one of my favorite records ever
4: i'm sorry um, oh man
6: we're, we hey brian
2: we might have a live breakup with the band because of right here in the podcast <laughs> so that'd be first.
6: then to try and make her listen to it so
4: i'm too cool for that
6: <laughs> We can move to some pj harvey and it'll be all right yep and
2: you know erica you and chad really have a nice dynamic too when you're singing on these songs and what you do and it's thank you i don't know if there's really a comparison for anything i could think of you guys kind of do your own thing but um uh, what you're singing and how you're singing really complements the songs extremely well i mean did chad eric is there an approach to your to your vocals and what you're trying to do
4: um i just listen he other than sounding very esoteric i climb into his brain while he's singing and i empath where he's gonna go and what he's gonna do and then yeah. i try to apply so it's like feel. two
2: guitar players like the allman brothers band with dickie and Dwayne, or the crows yeah. with mark and rich you just sort of instinctually know what's going on a, yeah vocals, there's
5: no there's no talk about it there's there's i mean there are things that we work on sometimes we'll we'll sort of play something sing something over and over again erica and i kind of rehearse separate from the band too so the when we're in the live uh, world, we haven't played that show in a year. But when we're playing live, the band plays together once a week, and then Erica and I play together at least once a week. Beyond that, just acoustic guitar, voices, and and that way we kind of have that mental telepathy from from sure. doing that. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's exactly that. It's it's that. That's how our entire band works. We might yep. I might come with the, you know, the Bob Dylan structure. Here's the, it's GCD and uh, I'm going to go like this. And then everybody just fills it in. And it's almost, I mean, songs grow and they, they change into something else, but it, it's, it's almost like the first time we play something, it's, that's it. That's the one that's, that's good. Let's, let's keep that one. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
5: yeah ev- everybody just has a, a good feel in that way. Kyle has played with so many, different types of acts that he can kind of uh figure out what's going on and there might be weird stuff in in my rhythms or whatever but like he gets it uh because we listen to enough of the same stuff probably Mm -hmm. and then everybody else like i always say chris plays like a skateboarder he like jumps into the pool and he's grinding the rail and the thing and like he's just he does his thing and it's and it's because he's a fretless player he lands in the right zones and mike has an ear that's just from playing you know everything from like wedding bands to marching bands to whatever like you know mike's one of those guys that he plays an instrument where he goes and shows up and they give him a book of a hundred songs and like play they don't tell him what song to play they place number 30 you know what i mean so he can just riff into that so we, we all have that thing and the vocals are just that I've, I've been asked a bunch recently about like how much work goes into our vocal thing. And it's like zero, like no work goes into it. Amazing. You know, I, it I sing the works. way I sing and she figures out like, well, I can't just do the high parts cause he does high parts sometimes. And I can't just do the low parts cause he does. So she, she figures out where I'm at and makes it go. Yeah. Um, sure. I think a lot of what we're doing vocally is like, often trying to become one voice instead of like a backup singer situation it's sort of two lead singers um i think it plays jefferson airplane's probably a good example of a band that kind of did that where the male and female vocalists mm-hmm. were, were, were singing out the full lead together uh and, and there's a handful of bands like that from the 60s that did that um, and then there's a lot of bands in, in what you would call like stoner rock or psych rock now, um, Black Mountain, Sleepy Sun for a mm-hmm. while, where it's sort of two lead vocals, uh, male and female, and and creating one thing. And that, and that way we can do things that are kind of psychedelic without a bunch of crazy uh, effects and things. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned psychedelic,
1: and that's, I hear that in your music. And is that just a happy accident or...
5: No, I mean, cricket bows really started as like, I'm doing a psychedelic project. Like I, I, I've been into psychedelic music since I was a little, little kid. And, um, like I first heard the word when I was like four or five years old and like chased in in a monkeys episode and and I chased it down and figured out what it was and why it was and why it made me feel this way. And of course, did my experiments with the things that make you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so Cricobo's definitely- Exercise sweat. and eating right then, right, Chad? That's exactly right. <laughs> Eat your greens and your- uh, yeah. Take your vitamins, but say your, your prayers, that's all Kogan says. A lot of calisthenics. But uh, it, um, it, it started as like, so if you listen to the first three albums that are just me, there's, there's a lot of stuff where I'm playing with a lot of recording effects and different things and layers. And, it, and it's way more obviously psychedelic um, but like to me, like one of the most psychedelic things in the world, uh actually it's really it's really well shown in the in the uh what the heck's the movie with the groupies and the Almost Famous? And almost famous. Yeah, great movie. Th- when they start singing the Elton John song, that, mm-hmm. that song is not a psychedelic song. But it's like sort of it's this religious experience that comes out of that psychedelic feeling. So like Zeppelin Three, I think <laughs> is a very psychedelic oh. record, but it's it's mostly acoustic do you know what yeah. I mean so yeah yeah uh, I love the fake sitars and the reverse Hendrix solos and all of yeah. that stuff too but we try to stay away from that stuff and use more like classic uh I guess roots related sure. approaches to like that like feeling of psychedelia yeah so, which is what sure. like all the garage bands were doing like the a lot of stuff that I I came up on was like bubblegum music um the monkeys, Kazan's cats, uh, the lemon pipers, like all of oh, this. Oh yeah, the lemon pipers, wow. stuff That's sort of, you know, yeah. b- garage bands from Ohio playing like birds licks and doing stuff. And, and they were just, they had very basic stuff. Uh, <laughs> so like, you know, the, the James gang comes out of that. You know, Joe Walsh is playing in these like silly hippie garage bands in Cleveland and then starts the James gang. And the James gang is like, you know. There's, there's not a lot of stuff going on there. It's three instruments, yep. and they're, they're just playing in a way that just just rubs it right and creates that that sort of effect. So, uh, But psychedelic, like, we used to really push the, like, we're a psychedelic rock band. It's a psychedelic experience. Come see the psychedelic cricket bows And But, like, there's so many bands that they... Now psychedelic means something else to the world. Like, to me, psychedelic means something else but yes. like to the world it means this particular guitar pedal and a voice that you can't understand what the hell they're saying and all of this wah-wah effect stuff and like that's not psychedelic that's toys so
6: that's punk rock you know. turned into what's that So that's what punk rock turned into yeah for sure for it sure it's just like you know you the Minuteman and talking heads were on the same bill yeah
5: yeah that's what uh, the butthole surfers come out of that like mm-hmm. totally yeah fully all
2: right um let's jump to the last but certainly not least member of your band who's now literally in the dark he was outside the sun was <laughs> nice setting it was
4: beautiful is it is and it was a dark? nice
2: blue back no i can see you okay there's a nice okay. blue background and now you're Light a cigarette
5: in lighter in front of your face
4: <laughs>
8: so
2: i was drummer.
4: quietly observing it and it was just <laughs> lovely to watch. i was distracted
5: was- too
8: So I was I was doing that in hopes that no one would look at my face.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's why Brian and I do a podcast, because we have faces for podcasts. So no shame anywhere.
8: I have a face for radio. That's why I became a drummer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kyle, um, you're the kind of the last probably what the last member to join the band. You're the John Bonham. So tell us how you got in, what you're doing with everything and kind of like what's your what's your kind of drumming background?
8: Um, well. I played a show at uh Canal Street Tavern uh with uh I was playing in a band called uh Sea Rights Parlor Tricks.
2: Did you guys get ripped off on your money?
5: Um no. I, wow. Oh. What? At Canal Street Tavern? <laughs> yeah. No. Canal yeah. Street, yeah. Canal Public House? Yes. Oh. Canal Street Tavern? Thank, yes, no, never. Thank, never, you. Never, thank ever. you. Thank you. Canal yeah. Street yes, Tavern yes, it, everything yes, was yes, nicely yes. accounted for. Yeah, too. yeah. True story. Okay.
8: Canal street was never an issue for us, but I, I, and I didn't have, I didn't have a huge Dayton, like the downtown Dayton music scene um, tenure. Anyways, I was fairly new to the scene and uh, I was playing with sea rice parlor tricks and we were on a bill with cricket bows. And I basically, we we played, we opened, we, we played our set and I sat down and, On one of the church pews, I'm sure. And, and I sat there and the lights went out and the the room filled with fog and all these lights started going crazy. And I'm like, Oh my God, what is happening right now? And, uh, I was pretty much in love from that moment, uh, with the band. And, um, you know, we, we formed a, a relationship that night Chad and I did and, and everyone in the band as well okay. And,
5: okay. what were we talking about all night that night that formed that relationship Kyle do you remember
8: I believe it was it was, it it was probably about black crows and almond brothers, brothers. Bro- most it was the almond
5: brothers I was like wait what yeah. <laughs> see okay almond brothers Kyle can yeah. stay we us to- hang out <laughs> oh yeah
8: <laughs> but um but yeah, we, and we formed a bond that night. And uh, and I honestly, I, I don't know if the next time we crossed paths was with another band I'm in. We played another show with them at um, uh, the SRS uh, studio that we uh, were rehearsing in. And, um, and then after that, I remember receiving a phone call from Chad asking if I'd be interested in joining the band.
5: Yeah, the night that we played with his other band, Salvador Ross, that he's that he's still in, uh, yep. we we played with that band at, at SRS, and and just all night long, I was like, we're I'm, I'm gonna take that drummer, like I'm gonna get that drummer somehow. <laughs> that drummer, whether he stays in their band or not, whether it causes problems for anybody or not, he will be mine, and
6: uh, on, and uh, it, boy.
5: <laughs> and, it, and it went that way, so. <laughs> everybody's in different bands from time to time uh, and stuff like that. It makes it interesting, but like, that's, that's kind of how we met each other. So it's like, I've been in other bands where I'm like, I can't, I can't share members. I can't like booking shows is too hard as it is with jobs and everything like that. But like, you know, though I still may get like frustrated sometimes when somebody's got another gig with somebody else or whatever, like, that's, that's the thing that brought us all together. Do you know what I mean? Like in the spirit of mad dogs and Englishmen and all of that kind of stuff, this is, this is sort of the best pieces of a bunch of things coming together when we can and doing it the best we can together. So.
2: Yeah. We lost our uh, original go ahead, Brian.
1: Go ahead. After you're done.
2: Okay. We lost our original keyboard player to doing stuff like that. Unfortunately, he was awesome. He played trumpet and keys was like, and then he went on to shrug
8: and, Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Kenny Hall. Yeah. Kenneth Hall. Yeah. He's a fantastic player. And he, like, man, we changed after our first album. Our second two albums became a lot more key driven just because of his ability, his talent. I would.
5: Yeah, I would assume so. And we even have
2: a song on our second album with a a trombone solo because who doesn't love a trombone solo?
5: And we're not even a ska band i don't think we have any trombone in any of our stuff mike we've got, no, we some things.
0: We've, got we've got reverse um, talk, talk instead of go trombone, get my trombone yeah. it's like 25 feet from me so if you want me to <laughs> trombone, we can get out.
5: instead of the reverse hendrix guitar we have reverse <laughs> trombone, trombone
0: that's it man <laughs>
1: song. so i have a question for everybody jason included and jason and i have talked a little bit about it i'll just lead into this real quick like you know, many years back, you know, when I was thinking about relocating and I you know, and even after I wasn't gonna do that, I'm always like going through Craigslist and checking out like the mu the musicians section just to see what's going on, like what kind of bands are people, you know, talking about or posting on and, and stuff looking for people. And I was always so surprised that Dayton just had this like it seemed like to me there was more like you know, organic kind of sounding bands and people were talking about blues and whatnot and and just like I'm like wow well, like there's not that many people in Dayton but it's just like seems like it's real like just a a good scene you know and the only other place I had come across like that that you know is Columbia Missouri that's a while back with the other person that was the host before jason the coast but so what's up with dayton like what it, it just seems to me like from outside looking in that it's just like seems like it's like a really good place for music for
5: it is so the independent this music a, this is a yeah. conversation that we have a lot in in mm-hmm. town and everybody's got their sort of like talking head sociology lesson that they will give you about why it, dayton is what it is we we've definitely uh We've definitely all suffered the the ups and downs of being, you know, claiming that some writer claiming we're going to be the next Seattle for some reason, because it's so rich and it's so vibrant, but it just doesn't happen that way. We're not, ne- we're never the next Nashville or the next Seattle. We're just Dayton, uh, which I think is a good thing. Um, but Dayton, Ohio, uh, you know, bluegrass music was, was pretty much um, the, the term was coined and and invented here. Uh, funk music was invented here. Um, Dayton and Cincinnati together are, are sort of this like um, all of the people from the South uh, when when manufacturing started to happen and all of the the car manufacturers happened. People landed in Detroit. People landed in Dayton. Uh, people landed in Cleveland to go work at these places that made cars and and things for cars and and all of that. And so. Dayton got flooded with people who came from a simpler sort of lifestyle where music was at the center of it whether it was via church or just sitting around picking on their front porches and I think that's why you get Dayton punk rock bands all the time and you're like that's like they're that's a punk band but that's a country song you know that's and it's because their their uncle or their grandpa or somebody played in a bluegrass band and and when you trace their lineage they probably played with one or two of the like greatest legendary bluegrass guys ever it's red allen and and uh, harley allen and uh the, the osborne brothers and all of these people like lived here in dayton through the the 60s and, and stuff so um dayton um it, it was also sort of a major sort of trade route or, or a major crossroads 75 and 70 cross right in the middle of our city so Um, you know whether you're going north south or east west you're you're likely to cross through Dayton going cross country and it's it's just a it's just a spot where uh, it made sense to sort of you know we had the canals before the highways came along and all of that it was just a shipping and industrial sort of area um, and that brought some wealth to the area that allowed all of those people that came up from Kentucky or came up from Tennessee or whatever, they all now had a a suburban house with a basement and a, or a garage. Uh, And so to keep the kids out of the street um, you know, here's a, here's a guitar, start a garage band. So you've got, you know, uh, just all these crazy, amazing uh, people that, that came out of Dayton and the same thing goes with like, the the sort of alternative scene that bubbled up in the 90s with the breeders and guided by voices and all of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff like it's cheap enough to live here that you can record an album for 500 bucks and put it out and ship it everywhere uh and uh it's i think there's a lot of places like that i think columbia probably has a similar uh thing seattle definitely has a similar thing um of it just being a, a port san francisco san francisco is san francisco you know, the hippies went there because it was such a free and open area because of the shipping and stuff that came in there. You had, you had a a huge uh, Asian community there. You had a huge gay community there. You had, because of the sailors and whatever. And like all of these people kind of converged in San Francisco. And then you had, you know, that, that resulted in Haight-Ashbury in the sixties. Whereas, you know, Dayton, we just have these just generations of, of children of, of, uh, you know, there was a band from Dayton forever called Kentucky overflow. And I think that that explains it so well Is we're just the overflow of the South and, and, and music comes with that. So, and, and the North too. I mean, if, if you're a Catholic kid from the North, you you were, you were forced to learn the piano and all of that. So we, we've just got all of this great sort of musical history.
2: Yeah. You know, and one thing too um, is just the, just the openness of all the all the bars and places to play live music, where they want independent music to come play. They are not looking for those cover bands. I mean, cheesy cheesy bars and stuff are, but like the peak stuff downtown with the Organ District and all the stuff that they do is they want original bands to come through, they whether do. they're local or national acts.
5: The big secret there is, and, and I learned this from talking to Mick Montgomery, who owned Canal Street Tap. Yeah. Uh, Mick, Mick was into songwriting. Mick liked original music. But the reason that Mick decided to have an all original venue where they didn't even allow covers uh, was because you had to pay ASCAP and BMI if bands were going to play on your stage and do other people's music. In the same way that if you have a, a, a you know, what do you call it? A jukebox. You have to pay into ASCAP and BMI to have that jukebox playing for your, your people. So uh, Mick was not going to pay. The highway robbery of six hundred dollars a year, or whatever it was, or twenty dollars a month, or whatever that I believe to do that. So he, it was its originals only, and I'll never get busted by the the greedy uh, musical tax collectors that might come through the door. And and most of the bars, it's really a similar thing. I think a lot of bars on on paper would probably rather have one band four hours, no changeovers, just do zeppelin and the beatles or just blues or just whatever all night but we get we get the stage as original bands because they don't want to pay the 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 fines and the fees of having cover bands so you just ruined everything for me for years and years
2: and years of (laughs) playing in dayton i just assumed everybody loves it the music scene is so progressive
5: man it's because everybody's cheap assholes I think it's
2: a good thing. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. It helps <laughs> helps all of us. I think, did we play at South Park Tavern together ever? Have you guys played South Park Tavern? Yeah. I I swear a couple of years years ago, this is probably like five, six, seven years ago, we played with you guys at South Park Tavern. We have definitely played there a few times. We have time. definitely played there, yeah. too.
5: Um, I don't remember where we played. I. You guys were, uh, what was the We were the Rebel
2: Set first. Rebel
5: Set and then the, yeah.
2: Yeah, and then we had to change our name because there was a, a band out of Tempe, Arizona called Rebel Set, and they wanted to tour the Southwest and they sent us some that, shitty that emails. rebel.
5: That Rebel thing, you don't need that hassle right now anyway. So
2: nah, that's true. Well we didn't use any like, you know, Southern flag. It was just it was named after a mystery science
5: theater episode. Yeah, the rebel but you got set. a twang and your name is Rebel. You're gonna have to explain <laughs> it a lot.
2: <laughs> we become ghost town science. <laughs> <laughs> Are any of you um, not originally from the Dayton or Southwest Ohio area? I, I kind of moved later here later on in life.
6: Yeah, um, I grew up here.
2: Okay. You're yep. all you're all originals. All right, that's cool. I grew up in the Cincinnati area and moved to Dayton later on. But yeah, I mean it's just it's it's kind of a good scene for music and just different genres, genres of music and like good blues scenes in Cincinnati and Dayton, good alternative rock, country, whatever you want to do. So um, you know, it's always been great to go down and go to these bars downtown or wherever else, and, and see live music, hear live music, and, and find some just things you're not going to hear a lot of other places.
5: You know. Yeah. It's
2: Cincinnati's awesome. Cincinnati's a weird.
5: Cincinnati's a weird scene to try to play. Like to try to get in. Like as a Dayton band, it's always the goal to like let's go play Cincy and Columbus. They're slightly bigger than us. <laughs> and uh, Columbus is. Fairly easy. Like Columbus. Yeah. Is a typical situation. You, if you're good enough, you'll get a gig. But uh, Cincinnati is weird. And uh, so you, you kind of even if you're playing in somebody's basement in Cincinnati, I always feel a little bit of pride about it. So we got and a gig one my time. My ancestors came down or came up from Kentucky to record in Cincinnati. Like, I had musicians in my family that were putting out gospel bluegrass records in the 50s and 60s, and they would drive up and they would cut a record in Cincy and then drive back home. So, Cincy for me is kind of like we recorded the first album as a group that we recorded was recorded in Cincinnati uh, at a studio called The Diamonds that was in the basement of a pawn shop uh, in Cincinnati that uh, Brian Olive from. Uh, the greenhorns and Soldad brothers and whatever uh he he won a Grammy with uh, the guy from Black Keys for producing uh mm-hmm. something I can't remember now but, where uh, the hell is that he, located in Cincinnati uh it's not there now he um. had uh, he it's it's he still has a studio called the Diamonds, but it's in a house now like outside of town uh but it was uh what was that north side is that where that was you would call that
6: uh, it was like down the street from Shake it
5: yeah. From Shake It Records, I think that's Northside.
2: Sounds right. Well, let's talk about this new album. You guys have a new album scheduled to come out on for 2021. Is I'm sure that's a coincidence. Yes. Mm-hmm.
5: Tell <laughs> tell us about this album. Um, this is like this is like if I look back over the entirety of our like collected work. This is, this is the, this is, and I think everybody's latest album probably is this, but this really is the thing that has, it's the most concise. There's the least fooling around going on and it's um, and it's like the best overall representation of us. Like it really does move from kind of darker, creepy gothy sounds to like straight up country sounds to like gospel-y rock stuff and and it's all over the place and and uh but but in a really cohesive way um i don't know it's i i have been listening to it non-stop since since we finished recording it and i've been making all these videos and things for it so i'm i'm it's it's a little weird for me to talk about it like it's a new album because it's it's really a couple years old in in a way and some of it's the some of the songs go back to before everybody else was in the band Mm -hmm. there's a gracious peasant i originally recorded uh with roger joseph manning jr from jellyfish and beck and oh my god i love
2: jellyfish i love Jellyfish. steve gorman and i spoke on the last podcast about jellyfish
5: Duh. yeah gorman loves Jelly. i know gorman hell loves- yeah he does that was his
2: favorite band that opened for the crows
5: i remember seeing him where j- I've, I've i've seen the crows about 80 times and yeah i've seen him wear a jellyfish shirt a couple times so have you That's have
2: pleasure. you heard the live from bogart's uh disc from jellyfish
5: it's not cincinnati's bogarts what it's not so sadly it's not our bogarts which one is it they did uh, i can't even remember what town it's in but they did play bogarts back then that's why it Uh, sounds so good really funny story like we finished recording this and I was talking to the guy that produced it, Mike Montgomery. Mm-hmm. I was talking to him about the fact that I had done that Gracious Peasant song with one of the guys from Jellyfish originally. That's badass. And so uh, he impressed. was like, that was the first rock show I ever went to was Jellyfish at Bogarts in Cincinnati in like 1989 or 90 or whatever it was. So uh, they were a huge band. Like for me being a Monkeys fan. Like, oh, right Jelly- in that same yeah. Was the, Jellyfish was... The guys doing different instruments and just sort of no real... Big you don't hats. need it to sound this way, yeah. Big top hats, big production. They got like the the Bee Gees producer producing them, and and uh, they, the Bee like, Gees comes up every podcast too,
2: Brian. What the hell?
5: Every effing podcast the Bee Gees comes up. It's like, an, it's an important damn band.
8: It really very important. <laughs> but uh,
5: yeah, Jellyfish takes the best of like Bubblegum and then Queen and like yeah, so for sure. together. So, uh, but yeah, so I had done Gracious Peasant with him originally, and then. Raggedy Hillside, I did a, a version of that was just me. And then there's something else on the album that was previously recorded, and I can't remember what it is right now. Uh anyway, there's several songs on the album that go back to that era that we had been playing live together so long that, that like those original versions just didn't tell the same story anymore. So we we re-recorded them for this album and uh, and I the old albums are still available like on Bandcamp and stuff, but I took the yep. old albums off of all the Spotify and everything. Like okay. That just, just because I don't want somebody to stumble into those songs and get confused and think that's what we are now. So. Sure. But uh, yeah, I'm really happy. The album's called raised on rock and roll. Um, and it's-, it's a good album. You shared
2: the tracks with us via Dropbox. I've been listening to Cap a couple of days. I think you're right on like the, the different influences. There's some straight up rockers. You got some gospely stuff. Like it's, it's really freaking like catchy as hell to be honest with you
5: we write hooks like every, member, yeah, you every do. member of this band is a great supporting player and they're a great lead player they all get like the drums are doing hooks the lead guitar is doing hooks the bass is doing hooks i'm trying to throw as many songwriter fancy little hooks and turnarounds as i can so that like that's one of the things that always makes me proud like you know it's hard to sell a band nowadays, and so you play a lot of shows to nobody. Right. But when the band that you're playing with from out of town, for instance, comes up and is like, "You guys are hooks for days!" Like I'm singing your songs weeks later. Like that's that's we know we're doing it right at least. Whether whether anybody pays us for it or not, it's a different story. But yeah, uh, we, we yeah. know we're, we're succeeding in that. So thank you.
2: Um,
1: go ahead, Brian. Um, so I want to ask you, Chad. Uh, you know you have some mutual friends of art to Andy Southern Rose and the guys in Steepwater Band. And uh it was Andy who posted this picture. It was a fold out from the Steepwater Band Shake Your Faith. And I have that for some reason I I don't know. I hadn't looked at it or whatever. And I'm like
5: nobody ever like... reads the liner notes anymore.
1: <laughs> but I saw that and I'm like, man, that looks like, like blotter paper. look like a sheet of acid. But so you do did the artwork for
5: for that record and you've done some other artwork and We, uh, yeah, I've been doing art for bands just as long as I've been playing in bands. You started out doing, you know, um, I I always liked cool flyers growing up. I like flyers that had artwork on them or they had a a funny saying or something that would catch your eye. So I got into doing flyers for my bands and my friends' bands. I've got two younger brothers that have always played in bands and I do their flyers and album covers. And then, um, in the, I guess the Late '90s, early 2000s, I started doing a lot of artwork for um, like they called it high energy rock or high or whatever action rock, I think they call it now. But bands that sound like AC/DC and Motorhead, basically oh. Electric Frankenstein, Turbo Negro, bands like that. I started doing album covers and seven-inch covers for those kind of bands because my band, the Jackalopes, was playing with them, and they would see our stuff and go like, "Who did that?" And I did. So. I would get those gigs and then that turned into me doing artwork for like faster pussycat LA guns. Enough is enough. Like all the hair bands. Nice, yeah. Um, and in the early two thousands when they were all doing the, like, where are they now tour? Right, right. Or the, no original members or whatever, but like so hey, I started, LA guns uh, has a lot of the original members. Yeah. There, well, there's three versions of LA guns, right? <laughs> That's now. That's also true. And so they're suing each other. <laughs> they are suing the shit out of each other. But, uh, so I started doing that and then, uh, you know but i've always been into psychedelic rock so i always try like i did a i did a poster for question mark and the mysterians and like these 60s bands and then uh uh the buffalo killers guys oh, I Cincinnati, doing, i do yeah i, I saw know. those guys open up for the crows before at the taft yeah I've, I've done like three or four album covers for them a bunch of t-shirts that's a badass um, band brian you need to listen to the buffalo killers. I've
1: them. yeah i know okay. Yeah, I buffalo
5: killers are awesome they're kind of not doing anything right now but the brothers the gabbard brothers are, are still doing stuff but they've, they've got a big enough catalog just go back and, sure. and into that stuff um but i started doing stuff for them and and then doing stuff for them led to doing stuff for other bands like that and then uh Steepwater band we coincidentally uh like they were big fans of the buffalo killers mm-hmm. uh and from the black crows connection mm-hmm. they had seen they had seen those guys with the black crows and then uh they played with us um it was a weird show. We weren't actually on the same bill together. It was in was that Columbus you guys? Dizenger? Columbus. Yep. Yeah. So we were playing a show in Columbus that was a venue that had like sort of an early show and a later show. So there were like two or three <laughs> bands that played and they were done by like 9 or 10 and then our show started. So Steepwater, TSB, Steepwater band was headlining that early show and then we got there and watched them play their set. And then we went up and opened the second show. So they got to see us play uh, and they were like, holy crap, you guys are, you know, playing cool guitars and doing fun stuff. And, you know, we should play together and this and that. And uh, they were asking who we knew. And we were, as you do at a show, like I know this band from there and I know this band. And they asked if we knew the Buffalo Killers. I'm like, shoot, dude, I'll do all their artwork and everything. And they were like, oh, this is serious business. So uh, yeah, I got to do that whole album cover. I did the album cover, all the lyrics or the, the, uh, the titles on the album cover that were also on the drums on that tour. And then the centerfold, all the layout, the, the, the stippled photo of the guys inside the portrait where you pull it out and it's the guy's faces. I did that. Like that's, that's all, that's all me. Uh, and i that's been one of the big things I've been doing through the pandemic too, is like, I'm a tattoo artist by day, by trade, and I haven't been able to do it for a year. So I've been doing a ton of like hired gigs for bands. A lot of them I don't share because they're not even bands that I like, but (laughs) a lot of jam, I've done a lot of jam band albums and stuff like that during the pandemic here. So. Joe was uh, the
1: first guest on the podcast. What's that? Joe from the Steepwater Band band. The very first. Joe is
5: joe joe winters one of the most awesome Mm -hmm. dudes ever he's he's the nicest guy in the world he's awesome badass drummer he's Mm -hmm. a gorman type of drummer like our kyle there yeah our guy yeah It, it comes out it comes out of the bottom zone but it's yeah it it routes through gorman joe joe and kyle both very very similar drummers so where are we at jason
2: let's do it let's, I think we're gonna do how, we'll how do the speed
1: round of this many people
2: we can and we're gonna do it with everybody answering the same question but with only a few questions so there's something that we do been doing in this podcast for a while like a lightning round or a speeding around or ask a question it's a short answer first thing that comes to your mind and I'm gonna give everybody a chance to answer the same question but I'll call on you in a different order all right you guys ready take a deep breath get limber. You got to go. All right, Chad, we'll start with you. What's your favorite song on
5: the new album? Oh, man. That's yeah. Like my favorite kid. Uh, <laughs> well, today, Raggedy Hillside video just came out. So um, I will say that it's Raggedy Hillside today because that video just came out. But uh, that's the first
2: thing that came to your mind. Yeah, take first it? Thing,
5: that's first thing then.
2: All right, Chris.
6: Uh, race on Rock and Roll.
2: Nice. Uh, the name of the album, the title
4: track of the album. Nice.
2: Erica. Gracious peasant, gracious peasant,
8: nice.
0: That's a good, a good track as well. Kyle,
8: Raggedy Hillside.
0: All right, Mike. Uh, I was going to say gracious peasant, uh, gracious peasant too. You so can say the America. same one you later. You say the same one. It's all right. It's all good. All right. <laughs> you know what I think? The
5: coolest album, the coolest song on the album is though is Saccharine Sweet. That's the weird one. That's the one that's <laughs> yeah. the most poppy. Everybody listens to that one and they're like, "Huh."
6: So that's <laughs> the coolest. It's like a jellyfish <laughs> song. It is, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, Praise. Everyone listens and goes, huh.
2: huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to start with I'm going to oh, Mike, you're showing up on my big screen. So what's
0: the first yeah. concert you ever went to? Uh I know that it was at Bogarts, but I can't tell you uh, who it was. I can't even remember. How old we used to go Bogarts all the time. Uh, I was in high school and it may have, it, you know, it may have even been like they did like a Battle of the Bands thing. And I, I remember this Rage Against the Machine cover band and they burnt a flag. And I was like, <laughs> this shit just got real. And I am not ready for this. I'm like, <laughs> did they get their ass kicked and going, for doing that? The, I don't even know. I, I just remember it was such a spectacle. I was like, I am in a world I was not ready for uh, pretty much immediately. So I, right. I would definitely say some show at Bogarts in high school. Okay. Clutch early, I love clutch. So hell yeah, I I've, I've been at
2: Bogart's a bajillion times, and half the time the the, the bass sounds like explosions <laughs> coming out of there. for Whatever yep. reason, they never fixed the PA. It's like
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's that Bogart's tweak. They
2: don't. I want saw to the just... Donnas there like forever ago, and it was just all I, I could hear was them. Like a, <clears> throat> throat>
5: what? Yeah, yeah, I played with them at Bernie's Bagels and Distillery. Uh, that place should only hold about eighty people, and I think that the, at the last tally we had about four hundred people in there. Nice, it was insane. nice. You couldn't move. It was what scary. year was like, that? I, what year?
2: Two thousand
5: two. Yeah. Okay, like so
2: a little bit past there when they were kind of starting the, the decline a little bit in their popularity.
5: Might have been earlier. Might have been two thousand. Okay. I think we the band I was in started in ninety nine. So it
8: was. I got a bunch was, of
2: Donna's albums. I I think yeah. those girls they were they were pretty rad. Rad. All right, uh, Kyle. First concert. Don't judge me.
8: Hank Williams Jr. That's what? Dude, that's great. Okay. <laughs> that's
5: classic. All right. All right. Nothing to be ashamed of there. Politically right. problematic, maybe,
0: but musically problematic. Yeah,
8: yeah, but you know what? You know,
0: shit. You know, everything
8: I was just it makes years so old. much
0: more sense. All of your camping and your country boy can't survive lifestyle. It makes way more sense now, buddy. I'm just saying. The Nothing Mississippi River. Tank. She's a going dry. <laughs>
2: All right, Erica. How about you?
4: Uh, I got a banger. My first concert, I saw TLC, Boys to Men, and MC Hammer all in one place. Were
2: you at um, the uh, the whatever that little theater was at Kings Island? Is that where they Kings were performing? Island. Timberwolves. Yes, Timberwolves. yes, yes Timberwolves. That was my first. As uh, soon as you told me, was Gerardo busy or something? Gerardo busy that day. <laughs> <laughs>
4: No, I remember uh, like (laughs) Cypress Hill was supposed to be there originally, but they weren't available. So they got TLC, which wasn't really known then. It was like right before their first album dropped, and then Boys to Men. Okay. And I was hella on board. Side note I've seen Boys to Men twice. Boys to
2: Men's ultra talented. Like those guys (laughs) can sing, so can sing, like props. There's no studio magic those guys i respect
1: right eric already answered the guilty pleasures question we'll see see. see. guilty i'm
4: not i have no shame i will
1: that'll be (laughs) gerardo
2: cmc music factory um hey brian just for your knowledge king's island is a big amusement park and then Mm -hmm. they had they used to have a an entertainment stage or something, it okay. was probably the Brady Bunch. People. Went there, the Brady so, Bunch okay. went there in an episode. Yeah, they did. It used to be Hanna Barbera, was sponsored it, and all the Hanna Barbera land characters would be there. And had a season pass for many years. My sister worked there at the ice cream shop by the racer. Good memories, held That's a lot episode- of girls' hands on the Smurf, Smurf ride.
4: Cones.
7: That's the Brady Bunch, Bunch episode
1: cones. when they're at the fair. Yep, with really? the, the Racer. That's probably like in six flags or something.
2: No, King's Island.
1: Wow. And the
2: Natty, north of the Natty. It's beautiful. Love it. All right, Mike, first concert.
8: No, uh, I went to you I, first, no, never did, mind. Yeah, you went to me. Yeah, I didn't know. Everybody's it. switching
5: on my screen. Uh, my my first concert. I, I have three concerts that I say are my first concert. Okay. And I saw a Fog Hat with my dad at a car show when I was little at Harris. Nice. And then I saw Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers with the Neville brothers with a friend and his aunt. Uh, at Timberwolf at Kings Island. There you go. I'm, there we go. Eleven. But the first concert that I got into a car with friends and went to, and bought tickets with my own money was uh, Danzig, Soundgarden, and Corrosion of Informity at Bogarts nice. in 1990. I think that 80. had to be loud as hell. It was badass. Yeah, was I bet bad. it was badass. I'm scared wow. for my life. They were trying to kill people at that show. Oh, I believe I it. Be I've bad. been to some clutch concerts where people tried to kill people too. I tried to get Danzig to fight me, but he wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was told he was going to fight me and then he would not fight me. So
2: He's short, isn't he? He's like five two, yeah. But, but he's real bulky, like working out though, right? At that
5: time, yeah, that was like Danzig too. He was like he looked like yeah, he looked like Wolverine. He just he was Wolverine. He was just ripped and side. Short. Flipped. Ripped yeah. and short ripped in sideburns we hung out yeah, my friends and i hung out at the back door and met the band except for him but like they were such a scary band at the time they were like death threats and stuff so we couldn't get near him and and uh, but i had a bootleg danzig shirt that i had made on and somebody's like danzig's gonna kick your ass if he sees that And i'm like you really think he will <laughs> i would love to have a scar on my forehead from danzig let's go let's go show him my shirt <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you know, Zan- Danza keeps a pool full of elf blood at his house. He does.
5: You know, I saw Soundgarden at that show. I've seen Soundgarden like a half dozen times probably at different festivals and stuff. They, they were horrible every time I saw them. Like, absolutely, horrifically bad. Except for at that show, they were one of the best live bands I had ever <laughs> seen. That Bogart sound, that stage, it was before Louder Than Love came out. Like, they were... Grunge hadn't existed yet, you know, as a word, and they played "Earache My Eye" by Cheech and Chong, and there was a huge, crazy pit. It was amazing. Like that was that was the best show ever. Wow, damn.
2: So, well, I'm glad they got the baseline working that night because every time, yeah, I it was. Go, it it was I, like well, shit. I, it
5: might not have been, but I think it added to the overall <laughs> of the. You know, Kim Thale was tuned down to negative C, whatever he tuned <laughs> C minus and a half.
2: <laughs> you know, 16 gauge stream. <laughs> Whatever you're using on that to be able to play on that. All right. We're gonna, Erica, we're going to start with you this time. What is your favorite local place to play a show? Ooh.
4: All right. Well, we rehearse at a place called SRS. And it is this speakeasy type uh, private venue that's privately owned. And when we're able to throw shows there, it's that's my favorite. It's a little low key, little gem. Yeah. Do you have to knock on the door, know the password to get in, or what? Essentially, because it's kind of like that, but there's so much energy in that place. There's antiquities from different musicians all around the walls. It used like a hundred year old church that's decommissioned, and these people live in it and graciously open their door to let us perform in there. And it's Probably my favorite joint to be in. Nice, homie. Yeah. It's homie. We've never yeah. been
2: invited, so I'm not. Oh cool. no! no. Not
4: cool. Well, pandemic times, you can't judge us. You know? Okay,
2: right on. All right, Ain't Chris. I'll be
4: hab- getting an invite. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Chris, your favorite place to play? Uh, yeah, probably SRS. Uh, other than that, like, I mean, I miss Canal Street Tavern. Yeah, like the I do
4: too. That.
6: Yeah, that was such a cool place. Um, sure, and Yellow Cab's been doing really good at trying yep. to trying to pick up the mantle from Canal. So yep, they're doing
2: good. We played there at the WUDR anniversary show ooh, two falls ago. Whenever, like with with for art and all that stuff, um, it's been a hey, while. Maybe that's the show we played with you. With. We played we played one of those too. It might have been. It, who know it, That could have very well been. It's yeah. very possible. Um, Kyle. <laughs> How about
8: you I, I would have to agree with SRS uh, I know that's that's the easy answer but it it actually it really is the easy answer
2: man now I'm, I'm feeling bad about myself all the years I've played in date <laughs> I've never played in that place I was hoping to relate to you guys on some is anybody gonna not say SRS?
0: Your hand I am not in. gonna say SRS. all right Mike <laughs> so, so I've got a two-part answer I'm, I'm okay. just because I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna prop my homies up and say yellow cat tavern but I think my favorite Dayton uh, place to play is in the planetarium at the Boonshop Museum. Mm. Yes!
7: Mm. Good answer. Boonshop Boom. Museum answer. of
0: Discovery. That's right. In the planetarium. With for the planetarium all the reptiles. Show. It was pretty <laughs> badass. Yeah.
4: No, we played in, like, everyone's tilted back. Act, I, having, like, a full psychedelia moment while we played yeah. in the dark.
0: That's the crazy. Front. Yeah. I, I could not look up. If I looked up, I was going to yeah. fall down. What's oh, the yeah? behind? Oh, yeah, I, I yeah. felt like yeah. the room was turning upside down several times.
4: Yeah, literally. we yeah. had to focus looking down, for sure.
5: What
2: it's gig up. was that? Like, was that like a fundraiser or anything? What was going on?
5: No, we, it was just a wild idea that somebody had. I can't remember who had the idea first, but uh, we, I think we did it twice, oh. didn't we? Did we do it more than... We did it twice
4: i think
0: I, I don't even remember other than it was awesome oh, yeah wow. i think we There's only a, did it once
5: there was a there were a few people involved the, the one that i recall at the, the all the people that were involved it would have been uh jay madewell who's sort of like uh you know a character on the local scene that's played music in town forever he and and often is a promoter uh he i think he he was involved as being the point guy to go in and get it done uh, or him or Ryan Roth, who's another old, old friend of ours, uh, singer, songwriter, awesome weirdo guy (laughs) that we know. And uh, yeah, that was a cool one. We, that was the thing about cricket bows that we always have tried to do is to play in less than predictable places. And when we do play predictable places, we do it, we try to do it in a way that's unpredictable. Uh, So, uh, you know, playing, playing weird uh planetariums and 100 year old churches and stuff Private like that sort clubs of like thing. srs yeah so uh srs is amazing <laughs> srs is one of my favorite places to to play but i would say just if if you're a band from out of town uh you can't get into srs uh necessarily um blind bobs and yellow cab
2: um blind bobs blind bobs great those a, people those, they're a, great There, a
5: small stage it's hard yep. to squeeze we're a five-piece band. Yep. Uh, yep. it's hard to squeeze us all in it's there. It's an awkward
2: shape there in front of that window too, you know.
5: It's kind of home. Yeah. It's you know in, in At least Lulee. they
2: moved the stage from the night owl. Did you guys ever play the night owl? It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, God. Yeah. That place was a dump too. Blind Bob's fixed it up and made it much nicer.
5: Yeah, so Bob's you know we we a few of us have a tradition we get fried pickles whenever we eat it mm-hmm. whenever we play at Bob's we have fried pickles and you don't and get the pickle soup? Uh no, I don't. Just no. the fried pickles. All and
0: right. Then, uh, and then fried I drink pick- a
7: little
5: extra
0: because it's Bob's. I just um, mooch a fried pickle.
2: I get I the grilled peanut, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's is phenomenal. Oh, well, that's a great idea. Or the homemade yeah, falafel.
5: Which the Elvis good. vibes going. Yeah, man. But yeah. It was your stage. I think Dayton's just, you know, it, it can just be an awesome place to play almost anywhere. Somebody's yeah, for got, sure. Like, any, any weird thing can happen. Growing up, it was always weird, like... um, you know, abandoned you know, factories or whatever, like warehouses and, and, uh, you know, uh, different halls that had fallen into disrepair. And we would do punk rock shows. A lot of dating. So, yeah, that's, but yeah, Blind Bob's is, Blind Bob's is the spot. If you're a touring band, you're coming to town, you're looking for the small hometown bar that's laid back and they have cheap drink prices. Bob's is, Bob's is the spot.
2: And they treat you very nicely. Yeah.
6: That's
2: pretty safe. Chris, what are you going to say? What are, what's, your, what's your choice?
6: I already said that.
2: Did you? Okay, I thought you raised your hand. And What did you choose again? I'm sorry. Uh, Yellow Cab. Yellow Cab. That's right. Yellow Cab. Yellow Cab is also doing a really good job. We Our home base has been the Oregon Express for a lot of years for whatever reason. We played there a lot. We've done all of our CD releases at the Oregon Express, but we played a shit ton of Blind Bob's, and we like, we like the people at Blind Bob's uh, very well.
5: I like everything about an Oregon Express show except for the playing part. Yeah, yeah. so hot on the other side of that pizza hot. oven, and uh, it's just insane. And the pizza's yeah, good.
4: That's the pizza. thing.
5: The pizza's fantastic. It's comfor- comfortable. If Gretchen booked it, you're going to be taken care Gret- of. Yeah. Of hugs. yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah O.E. is awesome.
2: O.E. is and Good old Gretchen. She's still... Even after her lot all this, she's still doing stuff. and booking. It's up, like, she just can't get it out of her system.
5: Yeah. She's it's a passion. She loves she's it. She's a good person.
2: She asked us to write a song called Gretchen likes to party, which we have done, which will debate debut on our next album. And it's like, <laughs> com- it's complete, like insanity. Oh, you know, yeah. we might need Chris. She's in, good people. She's great people. She used to make <laughs> one of my best friends, our, our friends of the band, um, we used to call him our head of security and also our manager slash roadie, but he would just always come and help us, you know, watch us play in low gear. She used to always make out with him at every show. we played. The other week.
5: That could happen. Yeah.
2: <laughs> she is a good person. She's a sweetheart. Hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. Although she, she's the type of person that would greatly admit that too. So really, I'm not really saying anything embarrassing for her, but it was always funny. All right. Um, last real question for everybody on a one-off before we do a group question to kind of close out but alright Brian's already alluded to I need to know everybody's guilty pleasure band or song and this time we're going to start with
8: Kyle uh, Guilty pleasure I don't, I don't feel guilty about anything I listen to um, shoot New Kids guy I, What's that? New Kids, Nickelback. Um... Oh no, I don't listen to that stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I get, I guess, like the the, like the NWA rap, like the that hardcore eight okay. late eighties rap. I mean, I, that's I don't know. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> embarrassed of it? No, I, I don't. I'm not really embarrassed about anything I listen to. I'll okay. proudly represent that <laughs> well given the
2: genre of music that you play that would might be a guilty pleasure since it's completely opposite of what you have going on now
1: <laughs> or just something that we wouldn't expect is another way to look at it
2: okay true true all right
5: uh chad how about you what's what's the guilty pleasure for you um again i don't i'm not guilty about anything and i and i will flagrantly flaunt everything i listen to and i don't care if people like it or not but uh, the stuff that I listen to that I think other people might feel embarrassed about is uh, like I, I love the Spice Girls. Uh, I, uh, you mentioned New Kids on the Block. Wait a minute,
2: which one is your favorite Spice? Girl? Which?
5: Wh- okay, 40. that's a multi-leveled question. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is Sporty, but <laughs> Sporty is the right because she's the best singer and she's sporty. Yeah, and she holds sh- and she keeps her hair up with her panties from the show the night before. That I that I'm I- is that guys. true?
0: She keeps her hair up with my panties. It's Mike's panties.
5: That's what I meant to say. She keeps her <laughs> hair up with Mike's panties from the night before. No, this, I love the spice. I love pop music. Like, I love, like, the monkeys and the Archies and uh, Spice Girls and fake stuff. Like, Eddie and the Cruisers is one of my favorite bands. They never existed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, love, I love that stuff. Like, that's just as real to me as, you know, like, I never got to see the Beatles live. So everything anything that you can watch or listen to that's you know it's just the same so i, I like just ridiculous stuff cartoon spice movies. world movie thumbs up or thumbs down 100 percent thumbs up yeah. Spice World <laughs> movie is fantastic you got meatloaf geldoff you got elton john you got like uh i mean you got meatloaf as a bus driver uh for the first time since the 70s when he played a bus driver in the movie roadies so yep. uh, spice world is fantastic all it's right great damn movie Love it. Uh, that's a good one.
2: That, we haven't had the Spice Girls yet, so that's 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 new. Although on the Gorman podcast, didn't we, Brian, talk about Steve Nash knocking out denture spice? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we talk about weird shit on the podcast with like famous people. It's fun. What's that for?
6: <laughs> All right, Chris. What's a guilty pleasure for you? I I've, I've got to get on the no guilty pleasure train. Uh, well, ha-
2: something unexpected. How's that? You're a you're a hardcore like uh, uh, you know uh, 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 gosh Blake and a punk guy punk and skater
6: punk yeah I mean like I yeah, grew up listening to Seven Seconds and like the punk bands around town like Sunk a Giraffe and
2: so you're probably big your guilty pleasure I'm going to guess hold on
6: winger oh <laughs> <laughs> Like the, I've, I, I like pop music. Sure. Uh, but like not the, not really pop metal. Or, but like
2: give us, give us somebody on pop that you like. Like I'm a big Belinda Carlisle. Go Go's and her solo stuff, big time.
6: Love the Go Go's. I, I would go with that too. Yeah. Or, uh, I think mean even, uh, oh God, what's her name? The, uh, Royals. Oh Lord, that's what yeah.
2: Gorman picked Lord as his choice. Everybody yeah. has the same answers, Brian. What is this?
5: <laughs> Mine's the Bengals. Yeah, I, uh, love the bangles. yeah, yeah, yeah I love the Bengals. Hell yeah, definitely nothing embarrassing about that. Right,
4: right. Yeah, why are we feeling guilty about any of this? <laughs> because you, know,
2: you guys are all rockers, and people are not yeah. going to
1: think you're going to be in that. It's like something unexpected that you know people think that you, that people only listen to the kind of music they
5: play or mm-hmm. whatever. So. You know, it's funny, I don't like I I actually one of the people that's like a huge person, if you're like a music aficionado, you have to love Alex Chilton. I don't love Alex Chilton, but I love the Bangles cover of September Girls. I love that. The <laughs> Bangles are an amazing band.
2: They were they were an amazing band. Man, Susanna Hoff oh, still
5: they're, incredible. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. Crazy. Michael and the Runaways at the end, and then she joined the Bangles and the the sisters. Like they're a great band. Prince wants to write songs for you and comes and gives you a song for yep. free. Manic Monday, a, yeah. Imagine yeah. badass band.
2: How many great songs did Prince write that he gave other people to do? Like, nothing compares to you, Manic
5: Monday. Like, that dude's just a generational talent, like, yeah. crazy. Hundreds. Hundreds under different names. Like, he didn't want to get paid for them. Like, I'm writing this one as Camille. I'm writing this one as Christopher. I'm, you know, like, he just wrote songs all day.
0: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mike, how about you? So I definitely am not guilty, but something you wouldn't think about that I absolutely jam at full volume, especially when I pick up my nephew, because I know he will get in trouble if he repeats anything, is the band Die Antwoord. <laughs> you know them?
4: I no. love Die Antwoord. They are
0: phenomenal. Good. Big fatty boom boom. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of music do they do? um south
4: african hip south hop.
0: african hip-hop rap uh if eminem <laughs> was a a feisty five foot two girl
4: dirty
0: crackhead yeah dirty crackhead <laughs> girl that's that's with a rapper named ninja that raps along too. like you you got to put this on your playlist i'm just saying cookie thumper <laughs> how in the no. world can you not love cookie thumper i'm just saying <laughs> Yeah, and nuts. you gotta watch the videos. They're like little mini movies. They're awesome. Oh my god! You see the, okay.
2: video,
5: the video that they did that Harmony Korine directed, Mike? Oh my god! That, where they're the stealing—they're stealing the rims for the uh, ninja has taken to using uh, wheelchairs, and they're stealing <laughs> rims and putting them on wheelchairs. If Harmony Korine is involved, it's gotta be crazy. Because oh yeah, so that Antwoord sounds like if a South African hip hop band was in the movie Gummo. Like, I was like Gummo,
2: didn't he yeah. do kids and like spring yeah. breakers as well? Gummo,
5: Xenia, yeah. Ohio, yeah. close,
2: close spring, to who's the, who's the Beaver Creek? Who was in Beaver Creek? Chris. That's close to you, buddy. It's yep. like right on the border, man. Gummo territory. <laughs> 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 <That's real. laughs> there was a rap group out of Xenia called Ape Yard. Are you guys familiar with those guys? I don't think they're around anymore. They, no? Okay. Mm-hmm. Our, our original drummer, Adam, was a police officer. And he came to practice one day. He's like, there's this rap group out of Xenia. They're like gangster rappers. I'm like, are you kidding? They got music videos. I'm like, okay. He showed it to us. I'm like, how do you know about these guys? Oh, I just arrested one of them today. (laughs) Uh -uh. I'm like, all right,
4: well. At least you're being supportive of their music.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right. Did I miss anybody on the guilty pleasure question? I think I got everybody, didn't I? Did Erica
4: do one? I I didn't answer. Oh, okay.
2: I'm sorry, Erica. We were just going with Gerardo already. Go ahead. What's your guilty pleasure?
4: Um... I think it might surprise people that I listen to, like, a lot of, like, 80s, 90s R&B, like, hip-hop stuff, like, SWB. I'm not, surprised. not
2: if we listen to you sing. You definitely have a, a, a soul and okay, like, well, R&B. The,
4: all right, fine.
2: Well, pick
5: some. Pick an artist that we'd
4: be uh, like, I, I hey,
2: actually,
5: we actually work with Annie M.F. and Rogers. We work together, and today I got to oh, hear yeah, her singing no, the along to Bruce Kenny, Springsteen's I'm on Fire, which wow. was Nice. Yeah, she was in there doing hair in the
2: other
5: <laughs> room, and I heard her doing
2: the. <laughs> <laughs> <That's good>. What's <laughs> your pick? Erica, come on. You got to pick, pick us something.
4: All right, man. Shit. Um, all right. I fucking love musicals and will listen to like soundtracks to like, uh, like Rocky Horror Picture Show or That's Little fantastic. Shop of Horrors. And I listen to a lot of musical shit. <laughs> yeah, like for real. And it Whoa. I, it means something. I'm in the car usually. And Are you doing so like Oklahoma
2: awesome. as well? and Stuff like that? Or just more like the yeah. rock? Or, yeah, like I the don't rock can't
4: Bring it like
2: Grease. Yeah. Grease 2. Grease 2, by the way, has a better um, soundtrack than Grease 2.
4: I 100%
5: agree that Grease yes, 2 is Chad. a better movie. Than it's the better movie as well too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 100% all day. Yes, sir. all day.
2: You're welcome all back day. on the podcast anytime. Grease 2 all day. <laughs>
4: yeah i like musicals and uh songs i have like a magical ability to i can sing any song from any disney movie up until like you know the 2000s and then i'm out okay like if you named a disney movie i can drop one for you all right that's my good pleasure i'd say what is
2: your favorite song on rocky horror so oh we're my Bringing God. everything back to to uh, meatloaf again. So we just talked about. Meatloaf.
4: It's um. There's a light. Burning. Oh,
2: the very end.
4: That's the one.
2: Right, the very
5: end when they're yeah everybody's no, coming no, back. No, no, that's heroes. she's talking about the beginning when they're walking up to the castle.
2: Oh. Uh, the what's the what's the song pictures. at the end then when they're heroes? Okay.
4: Oh, that was a good one too, but I'm on one with the. There's a light. Now I can't think of what it's called. Oh,
2: it's not- because in the castle or whatever, the, yeah, yep. the rock with the car. Darkness. That's right.
4: gone yes. the river of my yep. That is, that- you know
2: what? That's, a, I love that movie. That's a really good one. That's the soundtrack's excellent.
5: Fantastic.
2: It is. Okay. Speed round's done. There's one last question before we get to oh, finding really. out where we can market you guys and your stuff collectively. Tell us a story from a gig show, something good, something bad, That just is just a great story to tell.
0: Uh, my favorite story ever from Chris Korn, because he's awesome, is uh, when we were playing that Columbus show, and the guitar player, I don't even know what band it was, the guitar player had just finished getting so pissed off at Erica and I, because we were like, Checking our phone once or whatever. I mean, this dude lost his shit, right? And like, I thought he was going to throw his guitar down on stage. And then when he finished, proceeded to tell Chris that he'd be a lot better bass player if he didn't use pedals or something like that. It was it was hilarious. Like that guy was a, a what was that? I don't man, think,
4: I uh,
0: Was a giant vinegar and water la douche. Oh sidebar. It was in Cleveland. Oh,
4: sidebar. Oh that was there in Cleveland. My bad. My bad. It was Cleveland. I was on my phone texting, which, yes, is rude while a band is playing, right? But my freaking cousin had just passed away, and my mom was trying to get a hold of me. And he acted like I was being the most disrespectful person. And I was like, you don't know anything about me. Get out of here, man. Leave so us. so the guy was, was upset. Night.
5: He was playing in the front of a place that sells coney dogs
4: yes. Yes. Yeah. on
5: stage. And he was mad that we weren't paying attention while everybody else in there was eating coney dogs and not paying attention too. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's then
0: I forget what he exactly said to Chris. Chris, you can elaborate, but it was absolutely hilarious.
6: Yeah, well, we we stood outside and talked for about like 10 or 15 minutes about different pedals and about making noise and about how cool it was. And then I showed him a picture of my layout for. My latex brain with my big giant pedal array, and he looked at it and he goes, "Oh, that's bullshit, man." <laughs> what? he goes, "That's bullshit. You play bass, right?" I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah, that's bullshit. You see, just, <laughs> an just plug straight into it. Maybe a tuner first. <laughs> that's man. bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> oh <shit. laughs>
5: Uh, what was the name of the band that you guys were with? Oh, we probably don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I should. Sure ah, that's all right. It's all good.
2: Quit I don't
4: remember. Song. That's how good they were.
8: That's <laughs> I, yeah, I don't even. I wasn't in the band yet. Well, that's
5: wrong. Right. Oh, Kyle wasn't. He would have thrown down. What's a good one from since you've been in the band, Kyle?
6: Yeah.
8: Um, Fun or weird uh, or I would probably say the Michigan the Michigan show because it was so yes. strange. It was just <laughs> it was so odd. I've I've finally had that moment where I realized I am old as shit.
0: And um You mean college girls randomly walking around naked was what? Yeah, I just <laughs> and and like just seeing like kids
8: making out it, I mean they're college kids, so they're we Ann Arbor or like yeah. the Milani yeah. or something? Yeah. Okay. So, it was in Ann Arbor, like okay. <laughs> in a house, in a frat house. Okay. And it was just, it was so awkward. And, <laughs> but at the same time, like I had a brand new drum set and I, it was, was the first time I was playing it out and I was super stoked and it just, I don't know. It was just so weird, but we played so well. And like, there was this whole fiasco with the PA and it's like, you could tell that the band that was playing before us were just a bunch of kids because they didn't even try and fix it. They just, they just the sang with it
5: for 45 it, minutes. Yeah. It
8: was awful. It was really bad. And, you know, we're trying to do the nice thing and sit through it. And I, I kept going out on the front porch because it was just too much. And yeah, wow. it, Dude, Kyle I was doing
5: my like like moves. Kyle looked like he rock was going to leave. He looked like he was going to leave before we ever played. And I said, I took I was out on the porch with him and I go, "I oh, don't know, we lost him." But I go, I go, "Kyle, just think this is how the Allman Brothers came up, man. Like we're playing like a college yeah. house party and it's like we will make it cool."
2: Playing the Delta he, House was, he playing was playing up, so around and
5: but it wasn't Not. even a it wasn't even a frat house. It was a, a co op house, which is a yeah. whole different animal than a frat house. Actually, it's a uh, similar, but uh, every
2: it's for all the
4: frats, everyone Enjoy.
5: that lives oh. there is uh, the, you know, the
2: rage house.
5: There's some level of autistic. Everybody that lives there was like they were wearing their pajamas, and their it was weird. So we got we had hired a a booking agent to book us this mini tour. Uh, and he was supposed to book us a bunch of dates, and he only booked us a couple of dates. And uh, he didn't, he he didn't get any advance guarantees for us or anything like that. So it's like we're going to get paid whatever when we get there. So we get to Ann Arbor, we get to the house. It's it's a it's a you know it's it's some travel and some trouble to get there. Actually, the song on the album, the song on "Raising Rock and Roll," "Ride or Die," is written about that weekend. So. We get to Ann Arbor. We get to the house. There's nowhere to park. There's nowhere to load in. No one even knows what's going on. They don't know who we are, who booked it. Somebody named something booked it. And uh, we finally get things sorted that we're going to play at a specific time. And they had two rooms going and it was like 17 or well, I guess they were college age. So 18 or 19 year old kids like playing covers and Uh, You know, the lights are all on in the room. It's like, it's just people jamming in a room at a party. And, uh, you know, Ann Arbor being Ann Ann Arbor, kids are walking around smoking bongs, but they're like wearing pajamas, and like all this weird stuff. And there just weren't that many people there. Uh, to start with and this band plays before us the pas i'm like looking at it i'm freaking out this pa is broken this is not going to go good i'm going to mike like you know mike you're the (laughs) guy that knows how stuff works What what, what do you think you're hearing there he's like i don't know what i'm hearing there it's really bad and so finally um they get done playing we grab the pa we we move the monitors up onto some chairs. We start tweaking everything. We find that the gain uh, for the uh, effects uh, circuit on the PA has been just cranked, so it's just it's distorted. Oh, yeah. Turn the gain down, the thing sounded fine. And so we set it up. We get it all going. They had some little like party lights around, so we rearranged the party lights and like turned off the light in the room. Suddenly there was a show happening, and. Uh, but nobody cared still. Like there were people walking by the room. We were playing to Chris's one friend that came and my wife. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> nobody's in there. The guy that booked, it's not in there. We're in a room with a refrigerator and some lights and we're just playing. The, bar- the, party, fog across- yeah, the, fog- the party across the street is like a naked party. Everybody's <laughs> in their birthday suits at the house across the street. That's why. Yeah. At well, that house got busted the cops came to that house, so all the naked kids run into our house. Suddenly, there's 100 kids in the room, and they think we're fucking hilarious and fun and rocking and all of this stuff. So, like, we had a great a great set, and then... Young adults. What's that?
6: I said 100 young adults. Not 100 good. young adults. Right, right. You yeah, know, make right. sure like, legal. Legal. nobody gets a joke. <laughs> totally totally. The
5: So, uh, then we get done playing, and we go to find out, you know where's our we're, we're we're supposed to be guaranteed a particular amount of money and i go to find the young man who's got our money and he's like hey man i'm really sorry things just didn't come together here's five bucks we pulled together for you oh. we drove in two cars with all our stuff up to uh ann arbor played the yeah. show for five bucks rented a hotel room we're not like kids sleeping on floors anymore like right yeah you know, we're renting a hotel room yeah the next night we drive to Chicago to play and we get to this place and we have fun. Everybody roams around Chicago. I think some of the guys went to big, uh music store and and Chicago
0: music exchange. Yeah. Yeah,
5: There you go. did the whole thing. We get to the venue and we go into this venue and the guy goes, there's like a square painted in the back room. And like, you have to keep your gear in the square and it's not to go outside of the square. And if you go outside of the square, you're going to be in trouble and you're (laughs) going to set up this way. And at this time, and we're not letting that on stage and you have to play with our keyboard that's on this and it's a smaller stage than blind bobs it's a postage stamp oh my god oh my god horrible horrifying all this stuff they have us on the venue out on out front on the uh, on the sign it says cricket blows is playing tonight and (laughs) so, (laughs) so we're just laughing this is hilarious so we play the crazy thing is the sound guy who's just obsessive compulsive crazy person had that stage dialed in so beautifully we sounded better than we've ever sounded. Like, there wasn't a huge crowd or anything, but they, they had a good time. Like everybody liked it. It was, it was awesome. Um, and then I think we equally, we, we didn't get five bucks for that one, but we equally got paid like wrong for that one. Uh, and in, so instead of getting another hotel for the night, my wife drove us home oh, straight like at yeah, three and a half hours or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Three in the morning. We just like load up and drive No home. traffic. So that's what the beginning of the Ride or Die song was. She drove all night. Nice. That's, that's you've got that. a good wife there, man. Chad, that's, great. that's good on her. She's. I've been, with this, I've been with this woman since I'm 16 years old, and she has been to everything with me. Like well, she knows what she got into then, so she yeah, can't all complain. The bands. Like, she's all the
7: love- fans. Yeah, and we all love Yeah,
5: for sure. She's played all the, like, cockroach-infested punk rock squats. She's seen me play those places. She's, you know, all of it. So she's she's a trooper.
2: So if there's any young people listening and want to get in a band, you're hearing true stories of how unglamorous it really is. How shitty oh, they yeah. pay you. We've had some really like we're looking at each oh, other. Yeah.
5: Why the hell are we even doing this? Like what's, we played
2: some we shit out in Greenville one time where literally there was like a jar. And like we drive two hours or hour and a half wherever. I live in the Columbus area now, and everybody else is still in Dayton. But um, there's a jar. We're like, you know, hey. We get cut the were like, No, it's you get whatever they put in the jar in front of you guys and all the bands split it. I was like, What the fuck? We're like, No. We just didn't take it out of principle.
5: It, Greenville's a scary place to play shows. I played a show one time in Greenville in a punk rock band in a cornfield with uh I believe it. Uh Hi-Fi and the Road Burners and Fury 66. They were all these really big bands. Like they were they're were big they were like warp tour bands. They showed up yeah. in, in buses. Mm-hmm. And we're playing in a kid's field. Uh, and like the 55 year old drummer for one of these old rancid looking punk rock bands got caught uh, having sex with the farmer's daughter on Ooh. the bus while like while we were playing but like it was such a Greenville Gosh. show that like they the only thing they had for lights they had a PA but the only thing they had for lights mm-hmm. was they pulled two cars into the cornfield and just pointed the headlights at us while we played like that Greenville was South Carolina no, no, no. Ohio. Ohio.
2: It's on oh. the more, it's the w- western border of Ohio, right by Indiana.
5: It's oh. this weird little town that's famous for like loose meat sandwiches and not much else. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um. They'd screw it over bands on on paying them to play shows. Yeah,
5: there was a rock club that all the like heavy metal bands would play off yeah. the Triangle. That was like the big spot in Green. That and there's a big Whirlpool Factory there. That's like mm. really all that's going on. It's, it's a lot Greenville. like Fort Wayne or whatever. Yeah, those, those little places in the middle of nowhere like that are like sometimes the the best places to play because like everybody's landlocked, they have nothing else to do. Like there, there's nothing around me Just for
2: filter you like, there. An hour
5: drive to anything fun. So. If you show up and you're halfway interesting, they're going to love you and buy your stuff. So, I love
2: Well, shows. excellent question, guys. Hey, let's throw a special shout out to uh, Dr. J and Mrs. Dr. J.R. Gibson for all the support yeah. they do for local music. I know they love you guys. They play you all the time, promote you on the show. They do the same for us. So, Art, I know you're listening to this one. Thanks so much. We got one of your favorite fans on, so play more of Ghost Town Silence on your <laughs> he plays. We so
4: love lot, you, Art. But- Yes. art is awesome. And he is public. the
2: heart of local music. And Brian Art is a professor at the University of Dayton. He's okay. a big supporter of local music, and he even has a radio show on the University of Dayton radio station and right he plays on. a lot of the local bands. So right on. he's a good dude. Um, all right, so the album is Raised on Rock and Roll. It's coming out on four twenty. Where do we go to find out more about Cricket Bows? Buy an album, merch, whatever you got. Where do we go?
5: Look up cricket blows. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Bandcamp.
2: Not Everything cricket blows, right? Don't look up. cricket blows. It's a different blows. website.
5: Although if you do that, you'll probably still find us. But uh, uh, yeah, we don't. I don't. We don't have a, a specific website anymore. I we, I let that go. We're just Instagram and Facebook and and uh, Bandcamp now. Uh, everything's up on Spotify. Uh, this album's coming out on four twenty, but almost all the songs are out online because we've been releasing everything as mm-hmm. singles so the first Looks two videos songs right and yeah all eight songs have videos uh the last video will premiere next week uh and there's also a documentary series that we did with like interviews and stuff for this that's four parts the first three parts have come out the fourth part will come out um on 420 uh and uh you know, we're doing this, uh, it's a labor of love. We're not doing any kind of fundraising for this or pre-selling it or anything like that. We're putting it out digitally. Uh, there is an option to buy a CD, uh, and the CD, you know, is, a, a, I'm using a company that will basically manufacture on demand for us. So we don't have to sit on. A oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Copies yeah. Of yeah. Anything. So, uh, you know, we can, we'll get those things in and we, you know, we've got, we don't have the the largest fan base in the world, but like we have people all over the world that dig. Absolutely,
2: our stuff. like our friend Andy um, Southern Rhodes in the yeah. UK that loves you. We've had his band on.
5: Yeah, we do. We're really good in the UK, Australia, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Finland. Uh, we you know we've got a guy on the album that's from Norway. We, he he was a fan of ours, uh, and he's like a national awarded composer in Norway and stuff. But what HP Gunderson? H.P. Hans Peter Gunderson. Uh, he is a fantastic, amazing composer. guitar. Uh, yeah, he's a you know Norwegian composer, but his big obsession is Americana, bluegrass, blues, southern rock, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, he he heard us and and thought we were the real thing. So uh, we all, everybody in our band, we did a a crossover thing with his band called uh, Ohio Bergen and it was, uh, it was all in Norwegian or Norse or whatever language, uh, but we play on it and and that, and then uh, we asked him to do steel guitar on the album, uh, just because I knew he would get it and, and do it well. There's, there's a lot of people in our area that play those instruments and that kind of stuff, and, and again, just like we like to play weird venues and do things in weird ways, we thought instead of doing what everybody else has done in the same way in the same place like why don't we see what we can bring in from outside so yeah he did stuff for us but uh you know with the albums and stuff like that cds like people can order stuff from us and we'll we'll sign it send it to you mail it to you whatever throw in some stickers uh that whole kind of thing and uh yeah uh as far as playing live we don't know when that's going to happen again we Mm -hmm. hope that after everybody's getting uh vaccinated and whatever we can get back to it but yep. uh the most important right, thing right now is get this album out and get it into people's hands and just keep pushing those songs so for sure well i really like it everybody
2: who's listening go out hit the album support these guys they're a great date band. they're a great band in general i hope to see you guys sometime post covid see so you guys play again or maybe be on the same bill with you so chad chris sure. mike uh Erica, and then I know Kyle had to drop off. Thanks so much for joining
1: us. Brian? Thank you so much, you guys. Chad Bells, Chris Korn, Erica Watson, Michael Bisig. Did I have that pronounced correctly? And Yep. Kyle, Laura, Kyle Sweeney. Kyle Laura Sweeney. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Laura Sweeney. <laughs> of Cricket Bows, the new record coming out on the 20th is raised on Rock and Roll, and we thank you guys so much for uh, doing this with us, and if you can stick around do real quick goodbye after we get done rolling here. And we yeah, appreciate that. You thank can, you guys enjoy. for having us and sharing yeah. our videos. Right. Yeah, for sure. Good deal. It thank means you so, so much. much. Thank you. Well, that was a great interview with Cricket Bows. Uh, I'm sure you all enjoyed it. I have no doubt about that. Jason, let's uh, give us some of your, uh, your points that you took away from that.
2: My Dayton insights of the date music scene, since I'm technically part of that still for 15 years, Brian, 15 years in the Dayton music scene for me, my band. Um, one, hey, it was really cool to have a whole band on, like uh, doing an interview with five people was fun. It was challenging, but I thought we did a pretty good job moving things on. So that was that was a lot of fun. Now we know we can do it. Um, for me, what I really took away from that is Chad's insights on really the Dayton music scene. And one thing I didn't even think of is, again, why it's so open to independent music is the venues don't want to pay the licensing fees for people to come in and play a bunch of cover songs. Um, I hope that story is true. He knows the stuff. I'm going to assume it is. So that's amazing. I didn't even think about that. But our band plays cover songs, at least one or two a set. So (laughs) I hope nobody gets in trouble for that. But I thought that was a real interesting. And as we alluded to in the intro, just the history of why people kind of migrated to the dayton area whether it's jobs whether it's the fact that you have these major highways crossing over each other that really led to this um seeing that this supports very different musical styles it's not just like hey you've got to play
1: this one style it's everything
2: what did you get
1: first of all i didn't even know that bars had to pay a licensing fee for their bands to play theirs
2: yeah like Um, i mean sure i didn't know that either but like we learned something
1: I was, I was surprised that he had, when we were talking to Chad about the artwork that he does, which is a whole other thing, the, he did artwork for like Faster Pussycat, LA Guns, you know, that's kind of like, it surprised me, yeah, enough's enough, like, wow, um, but uh, closer, much closer to what we do is like he did, you know, the, the, the fold out for the Steepwater Band on their Shake Your Face uh, record, which is their second to last record. Um, and that was really cool and just talking about his links with a little bit of stuff that he's done with some of the guys in the crows was also very interesting just uh, we
2: have to have him back on too because he's got a really good steve gorman story particularly with Kyle, the drummer from the band and some other things and then he's got some relationship with the crb chris robinson brotherhood where he either did artwork for him or is friends with the guy who did artwork for him too so We have to get him back to talk about
1: that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Such an interesting guy, and I also enjoyed, like you know, like you guys talking about the venues there in Dayton. Oh
2: yeah, (laughs) real insider talk. You know, you got to be exposed to.
1: Yeah, no, that was really cool, man. That was really cool.
2: Oh, when you come to Dayton sometime, we'll take you to the good places and show you the good bands.
1: That would be awesome. And I never
2: knew what this SRS place is. The guy, the guitarist. Other guitarist and singer in the band, Tom, on my band, he knows everything about Dayton. In fact, he's a quote unquote Dayton historian, like Mm -hmm. stuff. I have to ask him about that to see what he knows because I'm super intrigued
1: by that. But I was intrigued by like the pizza place where the stage is right by the pizza. Oh,
2: yeah, the Oregon Express. It's (laughs) so, yeah, the kitchen is behind the stage. So you have the stage set up. And if you're on the stage, it's immediately to the right of you. There's There's like this hall that goes where the kitchen is to the actual bar area or the bathrooms and the heat from the ovens just blast you. If you're in, in the back, particularly the drum riser, and then the lights are right above you and a little low too. And they're, they're really hot. Um, so you, you work up a pretty freaking good sweat, um, playing at the Oregon express, but people there that work there are great. Uh, they've supported my band for years. They support local people, but it is, it's hot.
1: And what were the other two? The yellow taxi
2: or uh, yellow cab tavern. So that actually used to be a uh, cab service building. It's a standalone mm-hmm. building downtown. Now it's been converted to this uh, music venue and bar. And then um, Blind Bob's, which used go. to be it's a good. <laughs> how,
1: could, well, how could I forget that name?
2: Well, Bob is is uh, is officially blind or you know legally blind, but it used to be a place called a real shit hole called um, Night Out. Like, really, really bad. And like, that's actually the first place my band played. We played a, um, a, a record release of one of our friends' bands, and that was the first show we played. It was, was a gross place. The stage was on the opposite side of the building. Uh, Bob and his team bought it. They cleaned it up. They made it nice. We've done a couple of cancer benefits there before. Really good food, different food, um, great beer selection, a lot of local Dayton beers, um, great people. It's a fun place to play. Although it is an awkward stage because you sort of have to stack up two or three deep, just because it's more rectangular um, to the front instead of to the sides.
1: Yeah, and it's like I enjoyed Chad talking about the the cornfield gig. Yeah, in Greenville, <laughs> Greenville, Ohio.
2: Yeah, you know, you got to be careful where, if you're getting an invitation to play in Greenville, where you're going, and make sure you know how you get paid too. <laughs>
1: Well, I dig their new record.
2: You you, have you been listening? You've been listening to the tracks, haven't you? Yes. What do you think about it?
1: Well, like I said, I you know, when we were chatting, you know, I I hear such a psychedelic influence and sound in it. So it's cool to see that intertwined to, you know, you know, the other you know, nuances of music that we like.
2: And I just really like the way that Chad and Erica's vocals work with each other too Mm -hmm. on these songs. I think that's really it's like t- really two lead singers, I guess, right. is how it's how it's going. A little bit maybe like the, the tr- tricker hippie, a tricker mm-hmm. hippie-ish a bit. Yeah, Not the sure. same style of music necessarily, yeah. but how, you know, male and female singer kind of work with each other. And mm-hmm. uh, I just, man, I, it's there's a lot of catchy stuff. I've been listening to the last couple of days and it sticks in your head. Right, right.
1: So hopefully that will stick in your head as well. And while that is sticking to your head, we will just say, (laughs) always remember Southern rock is reverent and blues is blood. And we'll see you next time.